join us right now on MMA FanCast. UFC 208 is in the books. We're going to talk about that night of fights, how it wasn't exactly the best night of fights we've ever seen. We're going to talk about the controversy of Durandamy and Holly Holm. We're going to talk about the ref says the fight doesn't end at the bell. It ends when I stop it. Changes happen in MMA to the rules in 2017. We're going to go over all of those so we can go into the rest of this year knowing exactly what the rules are. And we're also going to talk about Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Is it going to happen? Did they just reach an agreement recently? Join us on MMA FanCast. Guess who's back? Back again. Rod Dog's back. Tell a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, after a three-week hiatus, MMA FanCast is back and on the attack. We have a very, very special guest with us today. This is someone that you may not be familiar with. You may not be familiar with because he has not been on the podcast in quite some time. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the man, the legend, Jim Sahelamuni. I don't know what to say here. It's been like, what, a month? So I, what do I what do I do right now? I think we need to rewind to podcast one. Okay, and you opened it with the infamous yeah, line. What, was, what did I say? I think it was so infamous. I remember now. What What's is up? It? What's up? What's up? Well, nothing much. But back to what you should say. I'm trying to figure out what you should say. As like your tagline. So this is like a a do over. Yeah, we're gonna do. No, I want to know what we were doing this whole time. What was what was it that you said all the time, like as your tagline? What's up? What's up? What's up? I mean, like we're doing this podcast. That's right. What's up? Like, can we just <laughs> determine? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is great to be back. It has been way too long. The band is back. The band, the band is back together. It is back, and we are excited. We are excited for the show. We, we lost are, our drummer, though. We our did. Dr- well, I mean... Would, be, would he be the drummer? Would he be... What? Ours? Mm. Um, he played the egg. The egg is... Are you saying the egg? The egg, yeah. Okay. Like the tambor, he's the tambourine man. That's what he is. I think he 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 like plays the beatbox, just like <laughs> he has said, not like the beatbox, like like the beatbox, like the drum box that you sit on and you like drum below it. And it has like a weird sound to it. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been way too long. We are so excited to be back with you due to some international travel due to some 
I don't know. Age-related? We have not been able to be with you. Sahara Moody has been on the mend for weeks now. When you become, when you're in your late 80s, and you get sick, it lasts a long, long time, does it not, Sahara? It's an old sports injury, is what it is. An old sports injury, yeah. Several sports combined. Yeah. So, we had a, a, a... a UFC event, UFC 208. We're going to talk about that a little bit here today. We are going to, um, you know, th- that wasn't an event that really, uh, having having watched it in another country, and uh, and it made me wonder, should I have just spent that money, taken time away from my lovely wife, while we're on a uh, in the Cayman Islands, and I gotta tell you, I regret having gone to that. Now the UFC has put on a string of amazing events, and Dana White even himself said that this was not one of them. There were no, there were very few. I think there were two fights that didn't go the distance on the entire card. Just going off of memory. Um, I can tell you I only watched the uh, the pay-per-view portion. I watched maybe one or two prelims, but I, I was kind of preoccupied and, and not fully paying attention. But we had a, uh, a string of fights. Now, the main card started off, it started off well. It started off with Jim Miller and my boy mm. and Dustin Poirier. And it was a very good fight. Those two guys brought it, and it looked good for the rest of the card. And uh, the rest of the card just was a stinker. Yeah, it was. Uh, they they conjured up the spirit, although he's he's still living, but the spirit of Cub Swanson. It seems like that's where they wanted to go with that, trying to make a statement, um, and slugging. Those two going at it, Cub Swanson style. Yeah. There you go. I like that. That's that's going to be our new tag because what was it we talked about a lot before um, in 2016? It was uh, what was it? Something we we would always refer uh, to fighters changing their style and what brought them. I guess you could say say fame and notoriety in the UFC, and we would talk about them changing that. Because of the Josh Koscheck effect. Yeah, so so this is Cub Swanson style now for 2017. Sw- you going Swanson style yeah. in this fight? <laughs> I think that would be a good terminology. Like fighters could just like kind of say, "Hey, let's let's pull a Swanson here." Yeah, and that means that just means you you're just slugging for the fences. You're gonna give the fans what they want to see. Swanson saw. Well, you can't forget about um, the guy that he fought. See, I forgot his name. Who Manchoy? Yeah. Who was it? Who or Ho? Oh, Ho Manchoy? No. Do Ho Choi? Do Ho Choi? Yeah. <laughs> Ho Manchoy. Hey, for me, that's good. That's pretty close. That is. But you've never been known as one to mess mess up a name. Duho Manchoy. For instance, Khabib, and his last name is 
Khabib. Very good. It's Habib. Right, but we've been saying Khabib for how long now? I know, but at least I'm going to try to get the first name right. Now, if if we say it the is mega, Habib, the mega Madoff. you know who will was take credit for that. That actually was right. No, no Mega Madoff. I, get the so, R in there, Ner. Ner Mega Madoff. Yeah. I'm not even looking at it, though. That's the impressive thing. That is. That's that is. strictly off of memory. But see, if we say Habib instead of Khabib, then the guy, the, the tambourine man, will take credit for um, for saying Habib. Well, I don't even remember his name. Dan something. No, his his stage, his MMA fan cast. Terry. Oh, Mr. Dactyl. Dactyl, yeah. Senor Dactyl. Yeah. Yeah, we, we miss the Dactyl. I talked to the Dactyl on the phone today. He really misses you. I think we all did. You, Mr. Hiatus, and I missed you guys too, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Fall off the face of the earth, and then say, "What's well, well, the phone? What do you mean?" I was electronically challenged for the past <laughs> couple, at least a couple weeks. So I want you to log on to octagon247.com, and this is the man who created that site. And he, Wait, what is, is octagon247.com? I don't remember. He's trying to <laughs> figure out. How to work a phone. So, hey, to each their own. If you're going to stick with that, let's let's go with it. Um, so back to 208. Yeah, let's talk about 208. What did you think? Jermaine Durandamy wins a controversial title fight against Holly Holm, who can't seem to win a fight anymore. Three in a row now. Controversial because... Um, you could very well uh, say that she won the first three rounds and Holly Holm won the last two rounds, and, and that's not um, controversial at all. However, at the end of the second round and the end of, end of the third round, Jermaine landed ch- shots clearly after the bell. And it was to the point where, you know, it's like how can you not take points from her at that time? And uh, and Holm had made the the comment about those two instances where she said those were the hardest shots of the night. Makes total sense because when you hear the bell sound, there's, there's two things at play going on right there. When you hear the bell sound, you should still be protecting yourself, but... You lose the tension. Right, exactly. Yeah. So... You're not ready. You're not in that fight mode where you're trying to duck, dodge, dart, or duck a punch. So you're basically standing there flat-footed, and that's how you can take a heavy shot. Whereas, you know, if it's middle of the round, you're moving, and you're able to absorb that blow a lot easier. At the end of the round, when it's clearly after the bell, those shots are going to land hard because... You're basically standing flat-footed. Yeah, I mean, when in the sec- end of the second round, it was one huge shot, and and Holly Holm was buckled, not in good standing after that. Um, and I think that carried over a little bit into the third round. She was a little timid to start, I think. Um, but that was by far the hardest shot that uh, Durandamy landed in the entire fight 
And um, it's really a shame. So taking a look, there, um, Durandamy is now saying, hey, I'm willing to give home a rematch because I'm not a dirty fighter. And I want to give her an immediate rematch. And Holly does. Holly completely disagrees about the dirty fighter comment. Yeah, I I, I disagree. I think that was dirty. I think. I mean, especially. I mean, she landed the second round shot late, but she landed multiple shots. Not as nearly as hard as shots, but she landed multiple shots after the bell, after the third round, and so. Um, that's a lot of controversy. That's a lot of um, really has you wondering why the the points why the point wasn't taken, um, and which leads us to another point that there was a there's a referee that has since said that that is not that that the bell does not end the round. The referee ends the round. Yeah, I thought that was interesting to, I, to hear that. I could not disagree more. Um, if that's going to be the case, then the referee should have something in their ear that only they can hear. Because it's not fair to a fighter to fighters to have a fake end of the round. I was thinking the same thing, especially with technology that we have now. He's got you know a Bluetooth headset, a little cicada. In his ear, something like that, where well, he can hear. Have them there. Yeah. So, so why can't they incorporate something like that, where the ref knows exactly when to jump in, instead of you hear the bell and then you jump in. Yeah. Um, so, well, so if you're a the- dirty fighter, you could just say, "Well, I'm when I hear the very second I hear that bell, I'm like going into attack mode." That is not a good rule to have or you simply have the round ends at the bell period well I, what's wrong with that right everyone can hear it so There's, maybe ring the bell three like twice really quick i i don't know it seems insane to me that the bell wouldn't be the end of the round yeah, so here's um this is uh referee rob hines um, and his comments are... And when he's the, a referee trainer or right, something like that. Exactly. So if he's a referee trainer, that you know, that's telling me that he's he's the one passing this on to the guys that under, are underneath him. And he said, when the bell sounds, whenever that happens, that's just our indication to stop the round. You know, I completely disagree with that, as do you. Um and he goes on to say that's not the signal for the exact end of the round. We need to make sure we're in position and everything is in place to stop the action as close to that horn as possible. So, if that's... I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. Because I went to... Um, I found this on uh, the rules... What, what is it? The rules and regulations for uh, MMA... And one of the things that it has um, for fouls is attacking an opponent after the bell has sounded the end of the round. So if that is a foul according to the rules, then I don't buy his argument, even though he's a trainer, saying that's 
not the exact end of the round. Well, I'd like to see... So he is an Association of Boxing Commissions and Combat Sports certified trainer of referees and judges. So I'd like to know if he is saying that as a trainer of MMA judges and referees or if he's saying that as a trainer of boxing. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense at all. Like, why even have a bell? Exactly, exactly. That's just a false... Because now you have something that is according to the referee's discretion. Like um, in soccer, where you've got extra time. Referees have a stopwatch, and they can add time to the end of regulation for injury time, just different things, sorting out penalties, stuff like that. And then... Even as you're watching it, the commentators will try to keep tabs with what they think might be the same as the referee stopwatch for um, additional time. But it's still at the discretion of the referee. Now that's soccer. You know, obviously this isn't soccer, but I don't think you can leave something like that up to the referee. Well, they were still going at it, and significant blows could have been landed at the time so I didn't want to jump in and change the outcome of the fight you know it's like the NFL or the NHL where the referees put away the whistles in the third period or in overtime of a playoff game I mean it's it's silly yeah you got rules just follow the rules yeah well I mean it just uh, I don't know it's why leave more to human judgment error than 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 needs to be that's like so the, the one thing that i uh, that i saw and i don't know if this was in place prior to 208 or if this is now official afterwards but they approved the use of going to replay so something like that could have been at the judge's disposal to to go ahead and look to see how late after the bell did these blows occur. Yeah. Now, he he admitted, not, not by making comments or a statement after the fight, but he admitted at the end of the second round that, um, that the punches were late because he gave her a warning. So if he knew that occurred at, round, at the end of round two then what happened at the end of round three at that point should have automatically been a point deduction. Well, according to this judge, according to this judge, if what this judge says is is true, then the one at the end of the second round is not a foul because the referee hadn't jumped in between yet. Okay, Although the bell that. had gone off. Sure. And so that would mean that the referee was just negligent in getting in between them. But the third round one... You can't be negligent in a title fight. That's, I agree. Yeah. Regardless, the referee dropped the ball. Yeah. Then in the third round, the referee was, like, did have an arm in between it, and she still threw punches. Mm-hmm. And that was not a very manly-looking punch that I just mimicked No, there. we have it on video. No, we don't. It's audio. I got it. 
Did you just me? I did. Like that. Like I got two. Interesting. Two of them. Some of us live in a different world where you can just put your hand up and say "ch," and that's a picture. <laughs> um, and and you said video. I said we have it on video. Isn't there a camera in here? No. 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 No camera here in the in the hallway in the Octagon Twenty Four Seven Studios. Thank you for joining us here on MMA Fancast, brought to you by Octagon Twenty Four Seven dot com. We are talking about UFC 208. We are breaking down the whole fiasco with Holly Holm and Durandamy and Todd Anderson, who was the referee. Dana White spoke not so highly of him and didn't really uh, attack him on a personal level like Dana White can do sometimes, but simply said, this is a guy that doesn't have enough experience to be um, judging a title fight in the UFC, the, the biggest stage of of the uh, the sport. And so, um, in response to that, the Nevada or the Nevada, nice the up. New York State Athletic Commission said that who they're the ones that that pick the the uh, the referees and the judges, and they they give them their assignments, and then they let the promoters know who the who they are. And they said, "Well, Dana White's saying this now, but he saw this weeks ago, and he never complained about that." So it's not Todd Anderson's fault for having being inexperienced when it comes to these situations and um, high profile. Title title fights, it's not his fault. Uh, apparently, you can't put the blame on Nysak, and it's got a. I don't know if maybe Dan White is just setting this up um, for future New York bouts because we got Buffalo coming up. I don't know if uh, um, if he would still be That's on the card to two eleven. Two eleven, big big card too, and that is. Yeah, I'll be I'll be out of town. It's, uh, isn't that April? April, yeah, you're gone. I think it's April something. That's Saturday. Yeah, April eighth. Um, so you should delay your vacation by a day. So Dana White says that it's the uh, the uh, New York State Athletic Commission's fault. New York State Athletic Commission fires right back and said, well, you weren't complaining about it when we gave you the assignment. And so we'll see how this relationship has kind of gotten off to a little bit of a rocky start here with the New York State Athletic Commission and Dana White and the UFC. So with this being a new relationship, we'll see how it uh, how it continues. Yeah, because um, we had... A fighter at 205 who never even showed up for the weigh-in and then was subsequently suspended by the New York State Athletic Commission. And then he fought at, um, was, did he fight at 206? 206, yeah. Yeah. So Dana right there, UFC is not honoring a suspension. And then here no, at 208. No, 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 no. So the suspension was lifted. Was lifted, okay. Correct. So... The UFC does not have the ability to not honor suspension. Who honors the suspensions are the other, other athletic, athletic commissions. commissions. So when 
when one athletic commission um, has a suspension or anything like that, a fine that's not paid or whatever, if there's anything outstanding for one athletic commission, all the rest of the unified athletic commissions will honor their suspensions. So they're each independent that will honor everyone else's. So the suspension got lifted because he was able to fight on it. And I don't know the terms of that being lifted, but um, but we do know that it was. Going Jumping back to the card of UFC 208, we had uh, Anderson Silva and Derek Brunson. Kind of a, a, um, a lot... Um, let's just say a lot less action in this fight than I anticipated. Uh, you could literally see Derek Brunson, especially early in the fight, kind of just in awe of Anderson Silva and so timid to do anything because he was, looked like he was afraid, oh, like he's going to catch me. Similar to DC when they fought. Yeah. It, 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 it just looked like Derek Brunson was so timid to be hit. Regardless, the fight proceeds, and and he starts getting a little more comfortable and wins the fight, um, uh, wins a three-round decision, except the judges did not see it that way. And um, pretty much everyone else I know saw it. For Derek Brunson, two rounds to one, um, or even uh, could have could have potentially um, won all three rounds. And Anderson Silva's the guy that walked around with the the scorecards flipped and just unbelievable. I, I don't know where what they were watching or it was very very shocking to me. It was um, I. I thought that it was a gift because we talked about this, or I mentioned it to you um, before we started uh, recording, that I thought this might have been Silva's farewell, his last fight. However, you know, hindsight, and after you and I talking, I think he's probably going to go out. Um, his last hurrah is probably going to be in Brazil. Um, I don't think he's going to go out here. But I thought, number one, it would have been a long losing streak for a guy who had an incredible winning streak, a run through the UFC. Well, I think you could still call the Nick Diaz fight a win, even though it got overturned. I, I, I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, it was still a win. They both got busted for right. Um, although Silva's was a performance enhancing drug, and and Diaz's was marijuana, so. I don't think that's a performance enhancing. Although Nick Diaz will argue that it is he, a performance right, enhancing yeah. drug, um, but I don't. Uh, I mean, there's truly no evidence of that. I think that's just a pothead wanting to uh, continue being a pothead. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other fights, uh, Jacare with a with a great victory, a quick victory. Over Tim Bosch, who is a a um, a tough guy, a truly a tough guy who's been around the block and has done a lot of good things in the sport and has really proven to be a 
a solid competitor and a and a guy that really in a lot of fights surprises you, uh, but not on this day uh, as Jacare Souza was able to get the Kimura. And then we also had Glover Glover Teixeira and Jared Canier. Um, he got the unanimous unanimous decision against him. Pretty dominant win here. Um, but Glover Teixeira said after the fight, this is uh, this is a guy that I shouldn't go the distance with. This is a guy that I should finish. And, and he would have gotten a bonus if he finished the fight because they only had two bonuses. They had a fight of the night bonus where um, Jim Miller and, and, and Poirier got that. And then they had a, a performance bonus that went to who? Durandamy? Who who got the performance bonus? Um, I don't remember. Souza. Souza. Yeah. Submission. So there was no one else that got a performance bonus. So normally there are a, the two fighters in the fight of the night and then two performance bonuses. And they only had one because they only had one submission. And it was a really lackluster, um, lackluster card. Glover Teixeira would have gotten that had he finished that fight, but he didn't. And so there were just the, the those bonuses. So there's two things that I took away from 208. <clears throat> One is that Jacare, if he could somehow get a better grasp of the English language, this is somebody that the UFC could then get behind. I and, think he's up there in age, though. Well, but he's... You can't, it's hard to promote somebody who has basically no understanding of the English language. Yeah, and well, it's hard for, it's hard for people to get behind him. Now, I would say at his age, I think he's in his like mid 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at his age, be the heel. You don't need to know the language to like be. Provocative, you know what I mean, but have people care about you? But I, I don't think he could learn English long enough to still be in his heyday. I think it, he needs to concentrate on getting himself into, you know, the top, top tier to get to get a title shot. I think he's on his way, but I think that's that's holding him back. That the UFC well, from a promotional side, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Then I the mean, other, go ahead. The the UFC has guys that they're. They're really wanting to win, you know. It's no secret that when McGregor started off in the UFC, they saw who he could be and the following he already had, despite, like, not being a a name here in the United States. He was a huge, huge name in Ireland Mm -hmm. already, and they saw why because of... We hadn't seen it yet. But they saw why in, in, in seeing bits and pieces of his personality and his, the, how much of a character he is and and uh, what he brings to the table from a promotional. The guy's self-promoting. Like, you you don't even need to, like, build up his fights. He can do it himself just, right. by, being, yeah. just by being himself. And he, granted, he's doing exactly what Terry Dactyl says a guy needs to do. He's his he's his own personality. He's just turned it up to past um, 
as high on the barometer as it could possibly go. And I, I, there's no who who could possibly match that. There's there's a couple guys that come come to mind um, with Cody possibly being the next guy. Maybe not as flamboyant as well, I McGregor. Don't think he's as or, witty. I just think he's very. I don't think he's witty. I don't think he's funny. He's just very. I, th- I think he will mature into that. If he's able to sustain this level that we saw in his, his last fight, going on for you know four or five, six bouts, and he continues a reign as title holder. What does that have to do with his, his building a fight, though? And his well, I think you know he will hone that. That will be, become part See, of his craft. I think that you either have that or you don't. I don't think... I think that's a part of your personality. Like, you're a funny guy. You're, a, like, the class clown. Or you're not. And I don't think he is. I I think there's some room there for him. I think he gets agitated by that. And I think that he has no... Like, he doesn't want any part of that. He wants to rip someone's head off who does that. But you had some inside information that that's... That's what Garbrandt is like all the time. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, when we saw that in his interviews, we thought, this guy's in full meltdown when that's the way Cody Garbrandt is. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's not, but he's not a funny guy, McGregor, like, well, make yeah, everyone right, laugh. Okay. And so the I, expense I see of what your you're opponent. saying. Yeah. He, he's the guy that's, like, going to be cool until you're not cool, and then he's going to get, like, angry about it yeah i don't think he i don't think he has a cool level i think he's going to talk smack every time he's facing off against somebody but not the way that mcgregor does it mcgregor does it to agitate Mm. and to build the hype for that fight. Did you watch the fight night um, a couple weeks ago when Adam Milstead fought? I did not. That was the night of my mother's 75th birthday. So you didn't tape it or anything? I or? taped it, yeah. So you, you I, haven't, be I haven't it? had a chance. Yeah. I don't... So, I am... When it comes to electronics and technology, I'm... I don't believe you. I'm technologically illiterate. You're and I don't know how how to go back and replay that. Yeah, you're lying. You're actually lying. I am. Um, Adam Milstead had a uh, pretty... Adam Milstead here, he's a hometown boy of Pittsburgh. Uh, actually lives uh, just a couple miles down the street from here in the Octagon 24-7 studios. Adam Milstead faced a serious, serious injury Um a, a, a very serious knee injury, um, and it was pretty gruesome. Uh, he hung in there in the in the first round after the injury, and was able to manage to get up and walk to his corner. It was clear to us, on those of us viewing on a television and hearing those that were also. Um, viewing it as the announcers were able to watch replays and and all that stuff, Um, that Milstead faced this injury and was in pretty bad shape with his knee and uh, went to the corner and his coach, Mark Cherico, who owns a gym here 
in Pittsburgh um, was cornering him and Milstead kind of kept it from him that his knee was even bothering him. He was asked, how are you? How's everything doing? He said he was fine, went back out there, and and then the knee got even um, more um, injured, and it was pretty gruesome watching it uh, uh, live. And as a fan of Adam Milstead, um, we just, on behalf of MMA FanCast and Octagon 24-7, we wish you the best of luck Um we will be praying for you and uh, praying that you're, you know, you have a quick and speedy recovery. Um, but that was a that was a tough bout. He, uh, you, you didn't He's see right it. Knee. He was he was um, it was a pretty big size mismatch. Uh, Milstead walks around. I, I mean, no more than two thirty five, two forty maybe, and 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 loses some weight in training camp. Um, going through a, a, a camp, but he, uh, it was clear that there was a huge size disadvantage for him, and he basically got ragdolled around. Um, he he went to Suplex City in that in that first round, but he was hanging in there and and uh, and work, continued working. And then the knee injury happened. He he worked through that, and it just uh, kind of uh, went downhill from there. Um, he got tripped. Uh, with with that knee and and his knee just buckled and it was not a pretty thing. It was a rough night for Milstead, um, a rough night for for Cherico MMA. But um, we wish him the best of luck and uh, look forward to seeing him back in the UFC octagon sometime very soon. That being said, um, wanted to talk t- today about some of the rule changes that are taking place in MMA this year. Um, We started to see some of that uh, really come to fruition in these first couple um, events here in 2017. But really, um, there is some confusion about it. So we really wanted to spend a little bit of time explaining um, some of those rule changes. First, there is um, some changes to the scoring and, and Long story short, what's going to happen with scoring is we're going to see a lot more 10-8 rounds. Um, 10-8 rounds are going to be more prevalent. It's it's going to be a matter of um, if you don't have to totally destroy someone to get a 10-8 round anymore. It should It's simply that you won by a lot. And there's a lot of times when I used to think oh, that should be a 10-8 round, and never, very rarely did we ever see a 10-8 round. How often we saw a 10-8 round will probably be now what we see a 10-7 round, which is almost never, because the type of round that is a 10-7 round now is um, the type of round where if it lasts through the end of the round, you're like, oh, the referee probably should have stopped that. And in most cases, he will. But um, it's just where you just get absolutely dominated to a f- to a point where it doesn't even look like you, the two of you belong in the same cage. A ten eight round will be basically you won by a lot, and a ten nine round is the ten point must system where the win the the person who won the round gets the ten points and the loser gets nine. Um, so we should see more ten eight rounds. I think we saw a couple um, the other night. 
and we should see more going forward. And so that's the first rule. And then any comments on that, Mr. No, just just what you said. The 10-8 was a dominant round. I don't know how we would get to a 10-7 unless it's like uh, eye pokes, something like that. Where well, the, outside of fouls, a 10-7 yeah. round now is like... You mean previously? No, no, I'm talking about going forward. Now, now it's, it, it's possible. Before, sure. that wasn't even possible. Right. But now, I mean, I I guess you could see a 10-7 round, the type of round that's so crazily dominated that you wonder how it didn't even end yet. Um, and then looking at grounded fighters, the, the rules changed with that too. And I'm going to just read uh, these explanations and then we'll, we can discuss it. It says, under the original rules, fighters could place a single fingertip in the ground to establish themselves as grounded, thereby avoiding legal kicks and legal knees to the head. Officials have long dubbed that playing the game. It's no longer viable. Now fighters must have both hands on the ground, either their palms or fists, to be considered grounded. So I guess that means they can't just use fingers on either hand to, for it to count. Right. Um, now fighters must have both hands on the ground either for, uh, to be considered grounded. As always, if a fighter's knee or any other part of the body except the hands and feet are touching the mat, then that fighter is also grounded. So you can still be on one knee and you're grounded. Um, but if you are, uh, if you don't have two hands on the mat, you are, and you're ju- the only thing on the mat, your feet then you are um, a standing fighter and eligible to be kicked in the face and the head and need in the head. Good luck to you. Any comments on that, Mr. Mooney? No, I agree with that. They they definitely needed to have clarity on that. Um, I can't recall the most recent fight where uh, Tim Means. Wasn't it Tim Means? Tim Means business. No, that was pretty blatant. But I, I, I think there was some discussion. The referee... Um, I, just, I remember that being, I think, is uh, contentious. I don't know. I, point I, f- in the I feel fight. like when I think about Tim Means, I feel it was like a blatant knee. It wasn't even questionable. But that my memory is not always the best, right? And but although I am, my memory isn't. Extended, well, how do you know? You wouldn't remember. I don't know. I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember <laughs> very well. Uh, extended fingers. Eye pokes have been a topic of controversy. There are fight-ending, career-damaging, illegal maneuvers. Under the original rules, referees could do nothing about it until it was too late and the poke was already landed. The new rules empower referees by making it a foul to extend your fingers outward toward an opponent's face, which could lead to an eye poke. So so you you got your hand out there and you're open and and that's that's a foul you can you can stop it and give them a warning. Previously a referee could tell a fighter to close his or her hand but the ref had no recourse. A point could not be taken. Now it can be if a fighter continues to extend the finger in the direction of an opponent's face. I like it a lot. Yeah, I did. we see that a lot though. Way too much. It's- I can't even tell you those pictures you see of like a finger like so far in the eye like you don't even see the first knuckle of the finger um yeah that's gruesome and not when that that's something that's so preventable 
by not allowing them to paw out there like that without the fingers. All right, female apparel. The days of t-shirts, half-shirts, and loose-fitting tank tops are over in women's MMA. Women must wear either a sports bra or a form-fitting rash guard in the cage. For bottoms, the rules are the same as the men. Nothing below the knee, which means no more grappling or yoga pants. Why is this a big deal? Well, loose-fitting shirts are actually dangerous. Fingers and toes can get caught in them. They can slip over a fighter's head if too loose. Um... Talks about Valerie Letourneau had an issue when her opponent Joanna Calderwell's foot pulled down her tank top with a front kick and she nearly had a wardrobe malfunction. Letourneau covered up and was struck in the head by Calderwood when she wasn't defending herself. That kind of thing can't happen in MMA. Grappling, this is true, yeah. Grappling pants, which also used to be used, are an inherent advantage. Men have never been able to wear them under the unified rules. This is the first time women's apparel has been standardized in the official rules. Many ask, why are a bunch of men deciding what women can wear? That's a good point, but MMA Rules and Regulations Committee Chairman Sean Wheelock consulted with Invicta FC matchmaker and women's MMA pioneer Julie Kedzie before writing these regulations. Next rule change, heel kicks to the kidneys. So this is a maneuver that I remember vividly back in the day with Hoist Gracie on his back just mm, destroying people's mm, mm. kidneys. Yeah. That was illegal starting in 2000 when they went to the unified rules, and now it is legal again. It's not prevalent, and the fact that there's a rule against it is, was kind of odd. All the all other blows to the kidneys are 100% legal, but heel kicks used by fighters holding opponents in guard were banned. Not any longer. Heel kicks to the kidneys aren't much more than an annoyance or cause to change positions, as demonstrated Tuesday by MMA legends Randy Couture and Jeremy Horn. The kidney strike with the heel is not an effective strike. That's what Couture said to MMA fighting. It doesn't make sense for it to be illegal. We do get hit in the kidneys. I can get in on a shot. If you're trying to take an opponent down, and he's perfectly free to hit me in the back all he wants. It's not illegal now. So that's the heel kicks to the kidneys that uh, Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock, that was prevalent. Last change, and, and this will we'll fly through this, grabbing the clavicle. Um, this is just a stupid, illegal rule, and no one's ever done it. It's not dangerous. No one does it. What, why would is it illegal in the first yeah, I place? Yeah, I didn't know that until just now. And, uh, yeah. So well, there's, there's one the other changes. one. What? And you and I, um, having boys... 10 and younger I, I wish there was some way that we could institute no screaming rule. like a girl well yeah yeah I, I think that should be a rule my boys would all be fouled all the time this one would be like skid marks where the referee whether it's like um, the backside skid marks or in the front yard backyard like you've got the brown marks or the yellow marks now you can the referee can call a TKO if a fighter goes poopies in his pants or he urinates 
including vomiting also. Wait, but wait, what? Where? Yeah, it's 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 now um, the referee can declare a TKO disqualify, basically disqual not not a DQ, but it's considered a TKO if a fighter either during the fight or in between rounds urinates in his shorts you know um, can't control his bowel movements where did you see this um, I can't recall but I promise you it is definitely um, and is in the vomiting so hey, I don't know about your boys but I can tell you my son Jake I love you um, don't get mad at daddy but you know it's it's not fun sometimes to do the laundry when I'm doing Jake's laundry <laughs> like dude just just wipe wipe <laughs> yeah so I think that's the issue it's it's that age where Eh, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get what I can. I don't feel like yeah. it this time. Cartoons are on. Yeah, I, mean, I gotta. Back. Yeah, my my iPod my iPod is in the other room. I gotta <laughs> go get it. I forgot to bring it in with me. Um. Yeah. So referee can now declare a TKO. I don't for see those anything, instances. I can't find anything um, about a rule change other than. R- Rogan's podcast coming up. Well, I I, I Google searched UFC poop rule. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, the Google analytics on that one. <laughs> anyway. yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if uh, if you'll find it under those <laughs> terms. search terms. Yeah. Fecal matters, UFC. <laughs> Um, okay, while you're looking at that, I'm going to continue on. We have a UFC fight night coming up this Sunday night. Not Saturday night, but Sunday night. It's in Halifax, Nova Scotia. There are some good fights on this card, particularly the top two, which we will talk about the the co-main event and the main event. First, we have Hector Lombard. Facing off against Johnny Big Rig Hendricks. And I think, if memory serves me right, I think Johnny Hendricks is going up to middleweight for this fight, right? He's he's fighting 185. This is his mm-hmm. first 185. I am so happy to see Johnny Hendricks fighting in the weight class he should be fighting in. I, I agree. He's He hasn't looked good in quite a while, except for his last one. He did, but he he, need, he didn't make weight for it. He needs to be fighting and not killing his body. These guys that think they need to weigh in 25 pounds below their walk-around weight that are doing destruction to their body, they're not able to be at you know their full strength by the time fight time comes around their their body's exhausted because they spent you know 80 90 100 hours cutting weight 
like cutting weight should be like 48 hours and it should shouldn't be um to the level of cutting 25 pounds every time you're going to fight it's crazy there's there's i don't see how you could sustain that um that strength and your stamina it's just i think he's gonna feel a lot better fighting it when he, i would think so listen he might it might be like he's going against such bigger guys that he's not used to it but i think not depleting himself like that it's gonna make a big difference and if he wants to he can afford to put on five or ten pounds of muscle well i think that's where he'll benefit because you don't have to worry about cutting as you get closer that you can maintain. Well, he's still going to have to cut. Right, but... Especially if he puts on 5 or 10 pounds of muscle. But it's a totally different weight... Or, uh, training camp, fight camp. Do you ever, like, have your zipper down and you, like, wonder, wow, I wonder how long I, that's been down. So... Like, right now, I don't care. But, like, there's times where I'm walking around... When like, did that happen? Just yeah. right now. <laughs> no, but wh- how do you... When did it happen? Well, I mean, I... You, I was at home and, and then in here, so I don't know. I could have never had it up that whole time, but it wasn't a big deal. But, like, out, walking around out somewhere in public, and then you realize, like, oh, I was just walking all over the place, and now I realize my zipper's down. Okay, so that's how a good segue. People, I, I like people? that. So we're talking about zippers down, and a lot of times, little boys, 10 and under, can't get that zipper down quick enough and they end up going in their pants. So, Why do you like talking about pooping and peeing here? I, Can we move on? We have five minutes left. In the, so uh, 2017 we'll see two new rule changes made to the unified rules of MMA following a decision made by the Association of Boxing Commissions and Combative Sports. Can you, can you please not plagiarize and tell us where this information is coming from? This is... Um, from a website. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't even. It's not. Are you not so, able to tell us where you're? Yeah. If, I mean, if you want to go out there and find it, you can find it on bjpen.com. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the first rule change we talked about this instant replays in the event that is needed. Um, the second rule is is uh, called the bowel control TKO, under which fight officials could potentially call a fight. For a TKO, if a fighter vomits, urinates, or loses bowel control in a fight or between rounds. So, there you have it. It's okay. It's so, a crappy rule, but... <laughs> oh, your puns are just so crazy. Thank you. Fouls and bowels. Fouls and bowels. Officials may use instant replay when he or she feels it is a that a fight ending sequence was possibly caused by illegal action. Um, let me. Th- where's the bowels part of it? I don't see the bowels part. Well, I, yeah, I don't know about the fouls and bowels, but um, this came out just a few days ago. Um, Maybe a week, less than a week ago, but it's a good decision, I think. Um, 
I can only recall one instance where, and I think it was an amateur fight, where the fighter lost control of his bowels. Okay, here it is. If a fighter loses control of a bodily function in between rounds, the ringside physician would be called. Yes. If not cleared to continue, the fighter would lose by TKO. So the committee explicitly noted a certain substance that automatically ends a fight. If fecal matter becomes apparent at any time, the bout should be halted by the referee and the offending combatant shall lose the contest by TKO. The impetus for the bodily function rule change came from a 2015 Pro-Am event at a roller skating rink in Topeka, Kansas. One fighter was on the way to a dominant victory but vomited all over the mat in between the second and third rounds. Wheelock thought it was a biohazard and the fight should be stopped, but he didn't know exactly what to do. I like how they say Wheelock like they mentioned him earlier. I guess that was the referee. Mm. So, if you're losing a fight and you don't want it to be called a loss, I would just, like, puke all over the place or poop. That's not embarrassing, is it? Oh, man. No? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I wouldn't do that then because that's embarrassing. Let's go to our last topic of the night. Let's stop talking about fecal matter. Fecal matter... Is not an MMA fan cast topic that not. we want to cover a whole lot. No. Fecal matter, fecal matter. We're, we're fecal not matter, going back fecal, to this ever again. Fecal matter, fecal matter, fecal That's not subliminal, by the way. That's a, that's going to be in everyone's head. I heard nothing. Fecal matter, fecal Moving on. There is a report going on that there has been... An agreement, ladies and gentlemen, of a deal between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather for finan- for this to be a boxing match, and the financial figures have been agreed to. The report says that they have agreed to terms financially. Mr. Sahara Mooney, what does this mean? I don't, know. I don't know. Um, until I hear a date actually announced, I can't even say that. Until the night of the fight, I'm not going to believe that it's that it'll happen. I just think that there's too much for Mayweather to lose. 49 and 0, and then along comes an MMA fighter, and he loses his last professional boxing match. Now, I'm not I'm not making a prediction that that's what will happen. McGregor's going to win. I'm not going to say Mayweather's going to win. I'm just saying I think there's way too much on the line for, for Mayweather to even take this fight. And money, he doesn't need the money. Yes, he does. How many kids does he have? He spends money like there's no tomorrow. So anyone who spends money the way he does needs more quick. So he could be filing bankruptcy soon. I don't know about bankruptcy soon, but if he wants to continue spending the way he does, he needs to make more. 
he can't continue spending the way he does and not make more. Um, so this is a uh, report from the Irish Sun, and it says that a source close got to be coming out of McGregor's camp. The straight blast Jim Starr told the Irish Sun. Conor McGregor and Floyd Benner Mayweather, why can't I speak today, have agreed... Well, you were pronouncing somebody's last name. That's right. Have agreed to a deal to fight and have both settled on their respective fees. The contract hasn't officially been signed yet because of a third-party holdup, but all the details have all been agreed agreed on. The fight could even be announced within two weeks. So who could that third party be? Is that going to be the Boxing Commission? Because Dana, we know that UFC's behind this now. No, we don't. Well, so so in the beginning, Dana makes a statement, some you know, paraphrasing um, that it'll never happen between Mayweather and McGregor. Then, you know, just a few months. Fast forward a few months after he makes well, that, that statement. Well, that wasn't like, it'll never happen, like, because of me. Well, I'm just saying, you he know, this is... it would never happen because they would never get come to an agreement. Well, you know, I, I didn't take it as... Maybe that was the case. I just saw it as Dana saying he would never uh, get behind it. No, I didn't take it that way. You know, I would, took it that way because they were saying... You had Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather trying to make a fight happen for how long, and it took. Right, it, they just right. couldn't, and then they had to go past when Pacquiao was, like, you know, at his peak. Before and that was part of his happened. statement. You know, when he commented on it, he did reference that it took a long time just to get those two, yeah, the two top fighters. So that's together. why he said it would never happen. He said it would never happen because. He knows boxing and the way that it works and to get two people to agree on everything. Right. So fairly recent, he he commented that they reached out to Mayweather and made an offer of $25 million. Mayweather laughed at that. And now, now they, here we he are. He did that through TMZ. Right. But so I don't or think that third was. party is the UFC. I'm... Guessing it's God, who would be the promoter? But you're saying it would have to be the UFC. Who's who's going to be the promoter though? The, the UFC. This... The only way this fight would happen is with the UFC promoting it. Can the UFC promote this fight under boxing rules? Why wouldn't they be? I don't know. That, that's what I'm asking. I'm, I mean, I'm it, posing that question. It's the same. How... I see. I think. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I think this has to be a joint uh, well I promotion. Mean, does it's going to be Mayweather? So does he really need a, to be the promoter? Well, when it's all said and done, the UFC has to be the be a promoter of it. So when you're talking about these respective fees and stuff, it don't matter. If they came up with numbers, if the, UF, the UFC needs to be the one that pays them, not themselves, they they could come up with all the number. Oh, Jim, um, you and I are going to do work 
for a company together and let's agree to terms to that. Um, you'll get paid this amount and I'll get paid this amount. It doesn't do as much good to come to agreement on that if the people that are paying us from the company aren't <laughs> aren't in agreement with it. Right. I, I, I don't think it was McGregor and... Mayweather sitting down or, you know, texting or whatever you want to, you know, however that communication happened. I don't think it was them two that were actually involved. I don't think that even happened. I don't believe this report. So you don't think that there has been communication between the camps that they have agreed to, Maybe loosely agreed to some The only thing they could agree to is percentages. Yeah, I, I, I think... They could it, agree yeah. to percentages. They couldn't agree to, like strict numbers well they'll have an idea of you know maybe they did some sliding scale if if this is you know let's once we get to the table we can finalize it and here's here's what each fighter's take would be so do you think there this fight will happen no i don't i'd I'd love to see it happen but i don't think it'll happen yeah i I just think there's too much going on inside the ufc with uh, with McGregor and you know one of the seven divisions that he's fighting in. Do you think that in a press conference, if let's say this fight does happen, and there's a press conference from it, I, I, and, I would, and they and, could make that that press conference a pay per view. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But do you think at the press conference, if Mayweather starts talking, the McGregor will go, "Who the is this guy?" <laughs> I I can see that that just they could make um what what's a you know what what's the term I want to use they could have like a uh, a mini series well of, I mean I really think that if they fall oh, this would be a great lead up this would. would do a lot for boxing too unless Mayweather won or I mean unless uh Connor won. If Connor won, that would totally delegitimize boxing. I don't think he would. I think you I, know I what? Think I, when you have a point fighter like him. He knows how to not get hit. And he's so good at it. He's so good at not getting hit. But he's also like in his forty. Is he like forty one or? He's he's in his. 40, I think he's forty two. Is he that old? Yeah. Um. He's got to slow down. I mean, look at Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva's not nearly as fast as he used to be. Um, I'm going to look up Floyd's age while you're talking. I have a hard time betting against really any MMA fighter. He's now. 39. You know, we talk often on podcasts about matchups and how we think each fighter would fare in any given fight. And and then give our predictions, and it's you know it's just our opinions. I I just I would have a hard time saying oh there's no way that McGregor could win that fight. Okay, I see more sources saying that Mayweather and McGregor reached a deal. Sporting News is reporting it. Let me see if they're quoting the same. Um, the Irish Sun, yep. Yeah. Admittedly, not the most reputable reputable outlet in the world. Claims as long as source, it's not, as long as they're not um, sourcing the onion. Yeah. So, you know, 
the Irish son does not have a reputation of, of being very reputable. But at the same time, I'm sure they've broken other stories that that actually have happened. So it's possible. I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it at this point, And I will believe it once the fight happens. I think these two could actually... Um, go through the motions pretending like they have a fight just for the publicity of it and the attention. The Who knows what these two are capable of. But I'll believe that they're going to fight when the bell rings and they go in there and start fighting. So, Showtime. Maybe it's Showtime who's the, th- the third party because, you know, Showtime Boxing is, is a big promotion. Yeah, but it, it, I don't know if they... If, if they um, have contract with McGregor or not, or well, uh, that, that's Mayweather or not. So who knows? I, I wouldn't even be able to speculate. Yeah, I, I don't know. We are out of time. Amazingly, we are going to end this podcast at just over the one hour mark. We are so happy to be back. We will be back with you again next week. I told you last podcast episode 17 i told you that we would we were starting a new thing and we were going to do um uh, a flashback and i apologize we did not get to that this week we will flashback from ufc fight pass um we will flashback to which fight did we say hoist gracie ken shamrock one yes we're going to flash back to that next podcast. I promise you my apologies. I know I got a couple emails um, and some inquiries over Twitter this uh, past couple weeks talking about that. And, and I apologize. We will get to that next week. So we thank you so much for joining us. On behalf of the crew, the gang at Octagon 24-7, this is Ryan Middleton signing off. MMA fan cast. Oh, and one other thing. you got to hit the subscribe button. W- w- why is that important, Jim? Tell us why. It's important for a number of reasons. Because but- we need the downloads. We need your downloads. It's it's. If we're not getting the downloads and you're not listening, then the, our sponsors get upset with us. And since we have no sponsors, we have no one upset with us. We want people to be upset with us. Do, is that not true, Jim? That Sahara? is that we, is true. We want people upset yeah, with us. We do. I know. Okay. So just a teaser. Click the subscribe button. We got a new sponsor coming up. New well, we, we announced that last week. DraftKings. Oh, we got DraftKings too. So we got DraftKings and we got we, we have to set these up though on the so octagon247.com. We're gonna set them up, we promise, but Octagon247.com Sign up and also subscribe to this podcast Wherever you're listening Whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Or any of the other wonderful Tune in Tune in Um, Yeah, we're on all of them So um, subscribe to us on all of them Uh, And we thank you so much for listening to us We will see you next week Sorry for the long break We won't let it happen again God bless. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
What did you think of that podcast? I think it was our usual. You mean like our usual good or our good, usual yeah, crappy? Yeah, good. <clears throat> I always underestimate it um, afterwards, and then I listen to it, and it always sounds good. What was your favorite podcast we've ever done? Um... Probably the favorite was the first one, just because... It was exciting. Yeah. Just not really knowing how it was going to turn out. And then listening to it, and probably more so because after I listened to it, when I listened to it, I thought, this sounds good. That we had... It's, it's amazing that anything you could be involved with would be good. Is that what? Dan. I was thinking Dan. Who's Dan? That one guy. Terry Dactyl. Oh, man. 